Blog Talk Radio. The Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston. I feel nice and refreshed. I'm back from my uh, vacation, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, because as promised, if you've seen the uh, my little advertisement on Facebook there, I'm going to talk about my visits uh, to the quarries up in the Vermont area. Uh, but before I get started, I might as well tell everyone what my vacation was all about once a year. Uh, some friends and I get on a motorcycle and we go to someplace different. And uh, this year we decided to uh, start in Pittsburgh, uh, ran our motorcycles there, went up to Niagara Falls, across Niagara Falls, across, uh, well, we didn't go over Niagara Falls, but to Niagara Falls, uh, across New York State and into Vermont, which uh, we managed to visit two quarries. Uh, the first quarry being the Rock of Ages quarry, and the second quarry was the uh, Verde Antique uh, quarry, a serpentine quarry. So I'd like to talk a little bit, you know, I was thinking while I was visiting those quarries that this would be a great topic for the show since, you know, if, if you're in the business, if you're in the stone business, I don't care whether you're a fabricator, a restoration contractor, uh, an installer or whatever, and you've never visited a quarry, you're really missing out. Uh, you're missing out on knowing the origins of where your material that you work with every single day comes from. But more importantly, a better understanding of the stone and some of the issues and problems you can potentially solve by visiting a quarry and actually getting that, that experience. So I would highly recommend uh, you do that. I mean, there's lots of quarries here in the United States, the two that I visited on this past trip, but I've been to the quarry in North Carolina. I've been to the quarries in Georgia. I've been to the quarries over in Italy. So uh, uh, any opportunity I get to visit a quarry is definitely an education. And I've been in this business now close to 40 years, and I still learn something new every time I, I, I go to them. If you're interested, I did post a video on my YouTube channel that shows the Rock of Ages quarry, and it actually shows the uh, the quarry tour guide that uh, was giving us some great useful information that is on my blog. All you really have to do is go to YouTube, go into the search bar, and type in Stone and Tile Video Blog, and it'll take you to several of the videos uh, that I've done. I've, the one I recently did was uh, at the Rock of Ages quarry. I'm also going to be doing one for the Vermont uh, Antique uh, which was uh, e even a more exciting tour since I got to meet the owner and the owner actually took me down into the quarry. So it was a quite a, quite of excitement, excitement for me. And 
if you're not in the stone industry, I guess you don't understand that excitement. But uh, if you are, you will uh, definitely, uh, uh, definitely uh, enjoy that that, that tour. Um, the first thing I want to say is if you've been in this business and you've been in this business a while and you've never seen a quarry or visited a quarry, shame on you. Uh, it's definitely, definitely worth the trip. But more importantly, let, let's get into why it's important and, and some of the things that you'll see in a quarry that can potentially help you solve some of your uh, some of the issues you, you may or may not see uh, on your jobs. Now, there are different ways of getting stone out of the quarry. These particular two quarries, I looked at a granite quarry, and then I looked at a, a serpentine quarry. Uh, and they, they use similar extraction methods. So I'm going to describe the methods that, that they both used. Now, as you can imagine, the stone comes out of the ground in a block, a large block. And the way they get that block out is they drill some pilot holes in all directions, horizontally and vertically. And they run a wire, it's actually a diamond braided wire through those holes, and they cut the block out. Now, the one quarry did that exclusively. Uh, the second quarry that I went to actually uses a gigantic chainsaw. And, of course, that chainsaw does have diamond tips on it, and they basically go in and they cut the bottom first. And then they drill the pilot holes and then use the wire saw. And the reason they drill the bar, they cut the bottom first, is because the weight of the stone sometimes uh, can be an issue, and that that stone is under pressure. Uh, and this is especially important with uh, with the Verde material, since uh, you installers know what can happen to Verde material when you install it; it can warp, and um, that that condition is known as hysteresis, and it basically comes from stress that the stone is in under in the in the uh, in the quarry quarry itself. Uh, let me give out the phone number before I get into a little bit more detail here. If you have a comment, if you visited a quarry, I, I would love to have you call in and share your experience. But the number to call in is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. And even if you've never been to a quarry, if you have a specific question, uh, feel free to call in and ask me that question. You can also send me uh, an instant message on my messenger on Facebook. Uh, just search for Stone forensics or I have my email open as well if you want to go ahead and send me an email uh, I can answer your question there as well the email is f houston f h u e s t o n at gmail.com so you know let's talk about some of the issues and some of the things that that happen during the extraction of stone in the quarry that can help you guys out and these are some of the things that that I've run into over the years the first being what we call a vein cut or the way they cut the material. Uh, if you can imagine stone, and, and this doesn't really happen to all stones, but especially the veiny material, uh, the granites that are called nisus, uh, the uh, veined marbles, etc., cetera, uh, limestones, uh, they all have a vein pattern to them. Now, if you're dealing with limestone, you're dealing with what we call a sedimentary material. So you can imagine uh, it's a sediment. So if you took a glass of water, filled it with dirt, shook it up, what would end up happening is you would end up with a layer of silt on the bottom of that glass. You could add more dirt, and you'd end up with layers. So imagine that those layers now are a hardened limestone in a quarry. And now you go in and you cut that block. So the layers in the block, the way the block is oriented, could be up and down, kind of like a layer cake, if you will. Um, 
or they could be the opposite direction. In other words, let's say you take that layer of cake and you turn it on the side. Well, depending on how that stone is not only cut out of the quarry, but is also fabricated into smaller blocks. And the one I can think of right off the top of my head where I've seen a lot of issues here is Indiana limestone. You can get a separation of those layers. So if you can imagine a block of, of stone that's installed on the outside of a building and the layers are successively behind one another, in other words, like that layered cake turned on its side, you can get separation of those layers, and that separation can be caused by freeze-thaw. It can be caused by salts getting in there. And the way you tell is to actually tap on the stone. You can use your knuckle. You can use a, a knife blade or something, a hammer even. And if you hear a hollow spot, that's usually a separation of those layers, and that is what we call blind exfoliation. So if you see that, you don't even have to look at the, 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 the side of the stone to determine that it is cut that way, you can actually tell just by tapping on it. And that's what is called, again, blind exfoliation. That's something we go over uh, in our, our inspection and troubleshooting seminar as well. So the way the material is cut is very important. Uh, those of you guys that deal with uh, travertine all the time, travertine uh, is very similar. You can have what is known as cross-cut travertine or a regular travertine uh, and the cross-cut travertine is cut in that, that way as well. It's actually across the grain. Now that really doesn't cause a problem with travertine other than the holes are usually larger when it's cut in that ori orientation and that obviously you're going to have more fill. For your restoration guys out there you're going to end up filling more. You'll end up pulling fills out. Uh, for you guys that are fabricating it that stone can actually be a little bit more abrasive as it hits those open uh, open holes, which can play havoc on your on your blades uh, on your saws. The next thing that that you can see in an installation or when you get your slab in is uh, rust marks, and a lot of times these rust marks are caused by the machinery that is used to either cut the stone out of the out of the quarry and the blocks. Uh, a lot of times the drills, uh, these drills usually have a diamond tip on them, but the actual rod itself is iron. Uh, that can leave rust spots. And it can also be caused by the way the slabs themselves are actually strapped. Uh, they can leave rust stains in there. And I, I've seen that many, many times on, on certain, uh, certain slabs as well as blocks of stones that can come in. A third issue that I've seen is... A lot of times, and this, this is kind of being uh, outlawed, this, this quarrying technique, but there are quarries, even in the United States, that are still using blasting with dynamite. And they basically, what they do is they drill holes in the ground into the stone, they place the dynamite, and they, they blow a large section up and then cut that into further smaller blocks. The problem with that is in certain types of stone, you can get what you call vibration cracks. In other words, the explosive happens, you get a big kaboom, and that vibration actually occurs throughout the entire quarry, especially in that area. And then when you cut that block, uh, you can see little tiny micro cracks. And those micro cracks are usually caused by a quarry that's using explosives. So if you're dealing uh, with stone from a third world country, maybe Brazil or India, where they're still using blasting, you could see those micro cracks. Uh, the stone that I can think of right off the top of my head that I've seen that a lot is with the Brazilian Ubatuba. Uh, Ubatuba can have a lot of micro cracks in it. And those micro cracks are generally caused 
by the blasting that occurs during during the quarrying quarrying process. I remember years ago it it, it didn't occur at this particular quarry, but it, well, like a cor it kind of did. Um, when I was in Italy, I visited the Carrara quarries. And what's interesting about the Carrara quarries is, you know, most of you guys out there are familiar with what, you know, Carrara, white Carrara, Bianco Carrara, if you will. But there, there are several different types of uh, Carrara that comes out of those, those same quarries, depending on where in the quarry they're quarrying. You, you, think you can end up with what they call a heart. Uh, which has a certain type of stone. It might be pure white. It might be gray. And then as you go out, you get different types of veining patterns and, and different colors. So you can get materials like Bardiglio, Statuary, uh, the white Carraras. Uh, most of all those Carraras, they actually come out of the same quarry. They're just in a different part of the quarry. So, uh, you know, the, the, an, a, another clue. You know, one, one thing I will say about visiting a quarry, and especially if you get to meet a good contact at that quarry, uh, they're available to you by telephone. Uh, I know several of the owners of these quarries, and I can call them up anytime and say, hey, I'm having an issue with, you know, polishing. I'm having an issue with fabricating. I'm having an issue with installing. Installing. What can you tell me? Because a lot of these quarries just, I mean, some do. Some of these quarries just, fabric, just you know, extract the blocks, and they send them off to a either, a, you know, a slab facility to be slabbed or a tile facility. But a lot of these quarry owners also own those facilities. So, you know, they can give you some really, really good tips on, on how to fabricate, install, and to uh, restore uh, some of these materials. I know I have uh, used them a lot uh, in the past. Now, uh, someone asked me on Facebook when I, I posted this a couple of days ago, is that does the quality of stone change as it's being quarried? And there isn't really a yes or no blunt answer to this because... I have, you know, a lot of my past students will know I, I kind of get on a high horse when it comes to quality of stone because how can there be quality of stone when it's a rock sitting in the ground? Now, it could be that particular stone is not suitable uh, for, you know, a particular installation, but that doesn't mean it's poor quality. However, with that said, um, you know, you can get differing degrees of uh, I, I hate to use the word quality, and I'm trying to look for a different word uh, as you go into a quarry. Weaker stone, stone is not as held tightly together as maybe other parts of it. So, you know, we, we see this. We see changes in stone. Uh, you guys in South Florida have seen a lot of cream of marfil being, being used down there, and you notice that it's changed quite a bit over the years. It used to be really solid, didn't fall apart very easily, and now some of the material coming out. So when they hit a weaker area, uh, in, in the quarry, and I don't know if weaker is the, the proper term I'm, I'm looking for or not, but uh, the stone changes. It's going to change. It's it's a product of nature. It's a rock. So you're going to get different different areas, and, and that will explain to some of you guys that are working with this material, not just cream of marfil, but all material where, you, you know, so let's say you have a lot of experience or you've just done a job either fabricating, restoring, or installing a particular type of stone, and you go to the next job and it's reacting entirely different. And you're wondering why. Well, you, you know, you scratch your head and you say to yourself, well, you know, I know I, I just did this with that stone over there. And it didn't do that because it's a different part of the quarry. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, you, you've got to keep that in mind. And that's where a quarry visit will really, really come into play. 
because that happens, you, you've got to understand that the minerals in, the, in that particular quarry can change as well. A great example of that is iron. And I, I use this example all the time when well, – well, let me tell you a, a story of, of what, what happened with this one particular building. It was a very, very large building, and they were putting all this bluish, grayish-blue granite. And after about a year, they noticed that some of the panels were starting to rust. But panels – now, they didn't know it was rust, but let's say it was turning color. It was darkening and getting a brownish-yellowish tinge to it. But panels right next to it that were the same exact stone were not doing it. And I got called in to inspect this, and they were, you know, I told them what was happening. Well, this particular stone has a lot of iron in it. Given the proper conditions, the iron is going to start oxidizing, and you're going to get this. But they said, Fred, that makes no sense at all because the stone came in at the same time, and the stone right next to it is not doing it. So I had to explain to them that's because this particular stone, the stone that is turning color, was probably taken from a different part of the quarry. So, you know, they, they take these blocks and they, they send them off uh, to be, you know, slabbed or, or tiled, and uh, it, it gets all mixed up. Uh, block A might not be right next to block B, and unless you're specifically ordering vein matched or book batch materials, and uh, it, you end up with different parts of the quarry. So different parts of the quarry can give you different minerals. Uh, what we call accessory metal. So you may get some heavy rusting in one area of the quarry and not heavy rusting in the other part of the quarry. All right, the phone number, guys, is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968 if you have a question. Again, the email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com, or go to Stone Forensics, and you can uh, hop on and send me an instant message. Let me check it real quick. Nothing yet. And I'd be more than happy to answer a question, take a comment, or 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 whatever. Uh, so th- that's that's my little lecture on, on stone quality and why I tend to get a, a little bit perturbed when I get a call from, you know, an architect or someone that's calling me and saying, "Hey, you know, I got sold poor quality material," you know, and that's why the Natural Stone Institute in their manual, their design manual, states that you know, anytime you're doing a project that and you're presented a sample of the stone, that that sample should be a good representation of what you're going to get in the batch. So I see it all the time. I've gone to, you know, court cases and lawsuits where it, it can be a, a real nightmare. Now, you also have, and this is why, and another reason why quarry, uh, re, um, visiting the quarries is so important, and that is a lot of times you can have stone that's similar from one quarry to another quarry, even have the same name, but be entirely different in quality. A great example of that is Black Absolute. Many of the Black Absolutes out there come from India, can come from China, uh, can come from just about any country will have a quote-unquote Black Absolute. So and that's why you get different different materials. That's why you get materials that are dyed. Uh, and I did a whole show on that if you want to go back and listen to the to the archives and take take a listen to that. Uh, I've seen stones that have the same exact names. Botticino Classico. Botticino Classico comes out of Italy. There's also one that comes out of Puerto Rico. It looks identical, but it's also called Botticino Classico. Kind of kind of gives you proof of a continental drift, if you know what I'm talking about when I talk about continental drift. Uh, but uh, I've seen uh, Bethel White, which comes out of uh, Bethel, Vermont. I've seen a Bethel White. Uh, uh, I can't remember whether it was Saudi Arabia or, or somewhere. Uh, 
China. I think it was China. I had one called Bethel White. Looks the same. It's that whitish material with a little cranberry type type dots in it. And uh, so, you know, as as I've mentioned before, in a lot of these shows, it can be it can be very uh, very very uh, uh, confusing. So those are just some of the things that you can see in a quarry. Now, let's move to fabrication. When I'm when I say fabrication, I'm not talking to you fabricator guys out there. They're taking a slab and fabricating. I'm talking about taking the block and cutting it into slabs and uh, various things or tiles for that matter. And various things can happen during that process as well. So if you visit these quarries, there's usually a, a facility nearby that's a slab facility or a tile facility. Go visit that as well because you'll see things like multiple blade gang saws. And what can happen with multiple blade gang saws is that uh, you can you imagine how you what a bread slicer looks like. You stick a whole life of bread in there, and you come down, and you slice it into slices. Well, these gang saws are very similar. And if you, and if you want to see what some of these uh, machines look like, uh, go to YouTube. Just go to YouTube and type it in. There's all kinds of videos on there that can show you how the how these work. So you can actually visit a quarry and a fabrication facility, sitting in your underwear in front of your computer if you like. Uh, but there's nothing like it being live. So uh, that being said, uh, so these gang saws sometimes what will happen is the blades will wander. So let's say you're starting at the top of the block and you're cutting it and the, the, the stone is a certain thickness. And as you get down, the blades start wandering farther and farther apart. And that's why you get or can get different thicknesses of your slab, which you guys that are in the fabrication business that, who are bringing slabs in, you need to check your slabs of the caliber. Because what can happen is if you have, you know, very thin material at the top or thick, vice versa, and it, and it gets thinner or thicker as you go down, well, that's an indication of the way it was cut in the gang saws. Um, I have a question that just came in. What literature, books, or articles would you recommend to learn more about the geology, failures, restoration, and maintenance of building a natural stone? Well, I mean, there are a lot of books out there. Uh, I've written many of them. So if you go to my website, you can uh, actually get uh, e-versions of some of those books. But one book that I like in particular, that's a really good geology book. Uh, It's very well written. Uh, You can understand it. Uh, And that is a book by... Earhart Winkler, uh, and it's called Stone in Geology. Now, I'll warn you, it's very, very difficult to find. I think I found the electronic version on Amazon. You can check Amazon or just simply go to Google. And again, the name of the book is Geology in Stone, and it's written by Earhart Winkler. And I'm not sure how his first name is spelled, but his last name is W-I-N-K-L-E-R. Uh, really, really good book. So that answers that question. Or, you know, feel free to send me an email. I'll be more than happy to uh, uh, to send you some more recommend recommendations as, as well. But as far as uh, the restoration, fabrication, and installation, you can check out a lot of my books as well as a lot of my articles that I've, that I've done over the years. And hopefully you're all reading the Slippery Rock Gazette and reading my monthly stone detective articles uh, as well. Uh, Also, the Natural Stone Institute uh, did a video a number of years ago, which is really good, called From the Quarry to the Kitchen, which is kind of a layman's uh, type video, but uh, it's it's really good uh, if you want to show that to your customer. I know a lot of fabricators and suppliers are using that video, but it's an excellent excellent video. One of the things that that really interests me when I go to these quarries and and seeing how – the stone is taken is, is, you know, how did they do this, you know, 
50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. And it's kind of sparked my interest. And I've done a lot of uh, reading on, on the history of, of how these materials are taken out. And if you don't mind me digressing here a little bit, I'll, I'll tell you some of them, which is interesting. Um, I remember flying on an airplane somewhere years ago when the Flintstones movie came out, not the TV show, but remember they did a movie, an animated movie called the Flintstones. Well, it was the only movie they were showing on the, on the airplane. And so I said, okay, what the heck I'll watch it. And as I'm watching it, the opening credits open up and you know, there's Fred in the quarry coming sliding down this dinosaur going yabba dabba do. But I noticed that in the very forefront of the movie, the rocks were on fire. And I stopped for a minute and I said, holy mackerel, I can't believe they went through the research to determine how stones were first quarried back, say, in the Stone Age. Uh, no pun intended there. And uh, they used a technique called fire setting. And what fire setting basically was is where they would look at a, an outcrop of a, of, a, of a rock and they would see a, either a crack or a vein and they would actually build a fire under it. They would get that stone extremely hot, and then they would pour water on it. It would cause the stone to crack. So we're, we're talking before metal tools. So this is how they would, they would actually take that, that block, and, of course, they would do that again and then again with fire. Uh, another way they would do it is they, if they found a hole or a crack, they would actually take a, a twig or a piece of wood that fit into that crack, preferably a dry piece of wood, and they would soak it in water. Well, what does water, what does water do to wood when it's soaked? It expands. So what would happen is it would expand and then crack the stone open. Now, ironically, a similar technique is still being used today, especially in New England with a lot of the granite, which is uh, what they use is they use wedges. What they'll do is they'll to split the rock, and sometimes this is faster. Faster than our diamond wires, faster than our saws, faster than those big, huge, you know, gang saws is they'll actually drill a hole in the stone and they'll place a series of wedges, you know, V-shaped wedges, and they'll just slowly tap them into the hole and they'll tap them up and down, up and down, up and down with a series of those wedges until the stone cracks and it cracks open. And uh, a lot of times it's a lot quicker. It's not as clean as a blade, but a lot of times it'll give you that that size of stone in order to, to work with it. Um, yeah, another one of my interests when it comes to um, um, some of the old quarrying techniques, and then, you know, you've probably seen Nova on TV and National Geographic, is how the pyramids were built. And, and this is something I like to follow because theories come out, you know, it seems to be on a regular basis as to, you know, how they think the pyramids were built. Was it space aliens? Was it, you know, some kind of futuristic you know, um, art, you know, architecture, whatever. And what they're, what they're, what the least what I've seen recently, what they're finding out is that they were purely done with logs, rolling materials on, on logs and manpower, just brute manpower. And it's interesting how they came to that conclusion. And they, they came to that conclusion based on what they found in the pyramid sites. They found a bakery. And you said, okay, Fred, how does a bakery relate to uh, the building of the pyramids? Well, interesting is they calculated based on the size of the ovens of how much bread had to be baked in a day and how, more importantly, how many, how, how many loaves of bread, how many people that would feed. 
And they discovered it was massive amount of people. And then they went further on, and of course they found skeletons of people that were buried. And every single one of them, well, I shouldn't say that, but most of them had back problems from lifting stones. So that that was one of the latest theories that I thought was was pretty interesting. So even though the building of the pyramids was was somewhat of a mystery, uh, that seems to be you know one of the um, theories anyway as to how the pyramids were were, were built. All right, I'm starting to wrap things up here, so I'm going to give you all uh, uh, another opportunity here to either call in or send a question in. Uh, the phone number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Uh, you can send me a question as I got on the books there uh, via Facebook on Messenger. Just search for Stone Forensics, or you can send me an email at fhouston at gmail.com. So I, I really can't emphasize enough, how, you know, how important it is that if you're going to be in this business. And, you know, I remember an old man told me a long, long time ago that once you're in the stone business, uh, you're stuck here. No matter what you do, you're going to end up, even if you leave the business, you end up back in the business. And, uh, uh, I, I love this business. I, I love uh, spreading education and, and and various types of information uh, about stone and tile installation, fabrication, restoration as well. And now I'm no quarry expert, which is why I'm going to uh, recommend that you uh, guys go out there and visit the quarries. Next year, I hope to uh, do another motorcycle vacation. And this time I'm going to go up to the Sturgis area in the South Dakota area and hopefully check out a couple of quarries uh, up there as uh, as well. So uh, I'll close with saying that um, I have some openings left in my upcoming seminar in January in Las Vegas, and I may have some exciting news about that seminar here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so if you want to give me a holler on that, uh, again, the email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. I still have space available. It's a great seminar. There's a lot of information on, on my uh, Stone Forensics uh, website as well. Uh, for those of you that were expecting to see me live on video on, on Facebook, I quite haven't figured out the technology yet of how to, uh, how to get the audio working when someone is calling in. So until I figure that out, I'm probably not going to uh, see this me broadcast this show anyway live. Uh, obviously, you can always look at the uh, – look at the uh, – there goes my alarm um, – <clears throat> The archives to see many of these shows. I think we're up to number 60 shows here. And, and I'd like to thank our new sponsor, the National Tile Contractors Association. Uh, you know, you guys that aren't that that aren't members of those, you need to join. Uh, at the very least, if you don't want to join, at least buy their uh, their manual. It's a manual that I use on almost all of my inspections for both tile, uh, ceramic, porcelain, glass. Uh, as well as as well as stone, so definitely. So, my friends, uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. <laughs>